from 88.7 FM WXDU Durham and available via podcast on the World Wide Web. This is Shooting the Bull, your weekly survey of what's happening in the Bull City, brought to you by the voices of the Durham blogosphere. The opinions expressed on this program belong to the individuals expressing them and do not necessarily reflect those of WXDU or Duke University. Good evening, folks. I'm Kevin Davis with BullCityRising.com. I'm Barry Reagan. I write at DependableErection.blogspot.com. Welcome to Shooting the Bull for Thursday, April 23rd, one day after uh, Earth Day. Indeed. And Did you and, celebrate Earth Day? Uh, I, I celebrated Earth Day by trying to publicize the Earth Day celebrations this weekend. It was a very sort of meta celebration of Earth Day. Uh, well, I, I actually didn't. You, I, you I, just crashed after your, I, after your I, long trip. I recuperated from, uh, from a trip. I, for, for those of you who don't know, I, I had to fly out to New Mexico on Saturday, and that was a disastrous trip in and of itself. <laughs> and then I drove back, and I got back on, uh, on Tuesday night, and boy, yesterday... Uh, I did some mindless work around the house, and it was good. Yeah, Barry, Barry is not just a cold, heartless uh, lefty blogger. He actually has a heart, which led him to fly out to New Mexico. But that's that's we'll, a better story for his blog. We'll so. talk about that sometime over a beer. So tonight we are, are going to be joined in a few minutes here by David Link. David is the unit publicist for Main Street, which is filming here in Durham. He's gotten a lot of uh, a lot of attention, and we're going to find out a bit from David about uh, what life is like and what the role is of a unit publicist, but also find out a bit about his time on Bull Durham, which he served as the unit publicist for just over two decades ago. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to that. David's been like one of the hardest guests we've had to get on the show, <laughs> and I'm really glad that we finally we finally got him in the studio, and we're gonna we're gonna absolutely you know, we're gonna get to the heart of the. Of, of, of the matter there. You uh, you had some things that um, you wanted to talk about, uh, Kevin. Uh, I, I see I see Dick Broadhead is uh, is in the news. <clears throat> yeah, this is a, if, if folks haven't been reading the Durham uh, Bike and Ped list, which is, by the way, one of the best free sources of entertainment in Durham, uh, this listserv has been hopping after uh, a mix of a Chronicle article, the Duke Daily Paper, and the appearance by John Pierce, the university architect at the uh, Durham Bike and Ped Commission this week. Uh, this article on looking back on uh, Dick Broadhead's legacy since coming here from Yale a few years back opens with a paragraph. And Barry, you have to tell me what's wrong with this. Each day after leaving the Allen Building, President Richard Broadhead hops in his Audi to head to back to his Tudor home half a mile away. But what's wrong with this picture? They called him Richard? Well, that's part of it. But what else is wrong with this picture? Well, I don't know about you, Kevin, but when I live a half a mile away from my job, I usually take the Porsche. Not the <laughs> That's Dr. Trask, Barry. Don't get your don't get your university administrators confused. I, I, assume, I assume that on the bike and ped list, which which I am a subscriber to, but which I missed um, for for the past couple of days, uh, uh, I, I assume that the commuting in a motor vehicle for half a mile um, drew the ire of, uh, of of some folks, possibly with the initials SV. Well, well, this was this was <laughs> this was uh, partly badly timed in many ways because John Pierce then showed up at the Durham uh, Bike and Ped Commission. And uh, got into a discussion about things like Maxwell and Sumter, these two streets off of Duke's East Campus that the Birch Area, uh, Birch, uh, Birch Avenue Neighborhood Association and Old West Durham and uh, hoods like this have been uh, very concerned about Duke's on-again, off-again plans to close these streets to motor traffic. And, and they asked John, what's your plan for these two streets and the controversy? And John's answer was sort of that, that Hogan's Heroes answer. I think you can do it better than I can. I know nothing. Uh, I, I, you know, I wasn't there, but uh, apparently that's that's what happened. Uh, I, I I do want to say uh, at least some of the things that I've read, Kevin, 
Um, Duke's plans also uh, may even include closing those streets to bike and pedestrian traffic as well, not just actually, to, not just a motor vehicle. Uh, this will actually be on my blog and probably in the, the Herald Sun tomorrow. But uh, the latest proposal that appeared before uh, council at their work session today actually calls for a guarantee to leave the bike and pedestrian access open and to only close for vehicular access from midnight to six a.m. Well, I would say that is as a result of pressure that has been put on uh, on, on the university by uh, by the folks in Birch Avenue and, and Old West Durham uh, you, you, because. The original plan uh, did not did not call for that. And you know what? Why I think you're right about that, Barry. The the conditions written into this by I'm assuming uh, uh, city county planning include one that if if essentially what looks like if Duke changes any more provisions in this, they have to start the site plan over, which is something you don't even see private developers usually uh, get. And again, I've I've only glanced at this, so I, I could be missing some details. But expect to see this in in your your papers tomorrow. Well, now, now that I'm now that I'm uh, almost awake from uh, from from my road trip, uh, I can I can start looking into uh, into some of that as well. One thing one thing that I did pick up on while I was traveling, I hear that the mayor uh, of of Durham, Bill Bell, is going to Saudi Arabia. You know, Barry, with this budget cycle, I'd be going to Saudi Arabia too. I might pick somewhere with less internet access. I, this 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 will be a bad leaving, budget year. He's leaving and May tenth, May. 8th, he's out May seventh like through May fourteenth, and he'll be gone during one of the one one of the key weeks in which the two thousand nine two thousand ten budget. It's great for re-election go. season. Uh, you know, you can just be like, I, I, you know, I would have loved to have participated in those cuts of important programs, but you know, I was well, in Riyadh. Like I said, compared to last year, when when um, you know when when Bill uh, Bill Bell did his. Um, his his you know his knight in shining armor to the rescue from the tax increase <laughs> that uh, that then city manager Patrick Baker had proposed by uh, stepping up and saying we're not going to accept any tax increase above X. Um, this is a very different Bill Bell that we're um, that we're seeing. You know uh, he was he was very upfront at the beginning of the cycle, um, letting uh, Tom Bonfield know that uh, there was not going to be a property tax increase mm -hmm. uh, in Durham as a result of this budget. And they wrote it into a document approved through the consent agenda several meetings ago, way out of the public eye. Right. So, so that that's a done deal. And now, um, you know, Bill's going to be out of the out of the spotlight um, for for a critical week, and it, that's a, just a very different. Um, approach that, than he's taken in the past, and I'm hoping um, it's because we uh, we have um, a seasoned professional sitting in the city manager's chair, making good decisions, and people are are able to trust that uh, that that Tom Bonfield is going to do what's best for uh, for Durham without having to be, you know, without having to have his hand held mm -hmm. through the process. And I, I think that's great. And speaking of which, uh, ran into Tom Bonfield at an event this weekend, and ho he would like to come back on the show. So we'll see if we can make that happen. I, I, I talked to Tom a few weeks ago uh, at, at another uh, event, and he expressed the same thing. So uh, so hopefully we'll, we'll, we will be able to get through the budget cycle, and uh, Tom will take his vacation uh, and then stop by and, uh, and pay us a visit. I think it would be great if we could get him on here before the budget Let's, is well, approved. We'll, we'll and, see what we can do, folks. We'll see, we'll see if we can make that happen. Uh, folks, you're listening to Shooting the Bull. I'm Kevin Davis. I'm Barry Reagan. We have a guest tonight, um, as, as we mentioned before, uh, the unit uh, publicist for the Main Street production, which is ongoing uh, in Durham. Right now, as we speak, I don't know if they're shooting tonight or not, but, uh, but David Link is with us. David, welcome to the program. Thanks for coming on, David. It's great to be here, you guys. But I didn't know there was so much hot 
Durham Duke dishing on this program. I don't know where to start. Now, let me ask you one thing. If, if a road is closed to vehicular traffic and pedestrians, is it still a road? Well, when you give it away to the university and it's no longer a public road, David, that's exactly the question. I can't bring any more controversy to this show. <laughs> this is the problem of the Internet and new media, right? We, you can focus on any minutia and make it, a, make it controversial. It's, it's the world we live in. And, and you know, we were talking before the show that it sounds like the world that is the unit publicist you live in. You're, you're fending off the gossip sites. You're fending off the photo hounds and the eBay autograph people, I mean, all these people who are swarming around the, the set. What, what, what is your job? What, what do you do as a unit publicist? Well, strictly speaking, a unit publicist, you'll see my name at the end of a movie. It, it'll say unit publicist usually. Sometimes it says publicity. But a unit publicist is the publicist with the film unit. You're embedded with the film while it shoots on location, whether that be in a studio in L.A. or out here in Durham. And I handle basically all of the marketing for the film as it shoots. I get the ball rolling, you know, for the studio. Uh, everything from writing the production notes at the end of the film to overseeing what we call the EPK, the Electronic Press Kit, which is the behind-the-scenes video that everybody sees at the end of a DVD, you know, the added value on a DVD. Um, I also bring national and international press uh, to the set, those that are picked out, you know, for, to the studio as being the ones we want to present this film in the best light. Mm -hmm. And I get the actors and crew to do their interviews for those. Um, also, I have a still photographer. In fact, a still photographer, we have one of the best in the world, Ron Phillips, mm -hmm. working on this show. Uh, I oversee, you know, his work, and we pick out the images we want to sell this movie as we're going down. Um, another big and very important part of my job is taking care of the local press as well as the local people who are here, because I'm usually the conduit. So, speaking of which, what, what is, has there been in terms of, uh, of press? I know there's been some local press coverage. Have any of the national uh, press outlets or, or uh, you know, your varieties or, or you know, uh, websites around this kind of come calling? Or is this a, because it's a smaller, more independent production? Is that not the norm for this? No, we have, we've been doing a few things. We did an Associated Press story. That'll be coming out um, in just a couple days. We did a Los Angeles Times story where I think you're doing something for Entertainment Weekly. You know, we're doing some really key things. It's a small film. It's not a studio film. Therefore, we don't have the firepower of a studio behind us, but we have a fantastic L.A.-based uh, publicist named Ronnie Chasen who's overseeing on retainer everything, you know, for the film from soup to nuts, from shooting to um, release. And so she and I kind of work together in a way, she being the studio in this sense, me being the unit publicist doing the work on the ground. But, yeah, we've had some attention, and, and let me tell you, we have a lot of paparazzi after a certain Orlando Bloom. <laughs> Who is this guy? Barry Orlando Bloom? Uh, I, I saw him in some movie with one of my kids a couple of years ago. One of those um, horse creature things, right? No, I think it was one of the pirate movies. Oh, okay. Um, at, at, actually, yeah, we talked about uh, we talked about that on the way over here. That uh, that Orlando Bloom has actually been in two of the most successful movie franchises of the of the last you know forty fifty years or whatever. So, you know, he doesn't have to be doing this film. I mean, he's obviously doing it because he loves Durham. Not because he needs the paycheck, right? And and Durham is or, or loves the script, or right, right, right. Well, I'd like to talk to that. Actually, we have such a fantastic group of people. I'm sure people have been reading Ellen Burstyn, Patricia Clarkson, Colin Firth, uh, who's a wonderful actor. Uh, you know, and, and a supporting cast, and Andrew McCarthy, um, another star, Amber, Amber Tamblin is with us from Joan of Arcadia and now The Unusuals on TV. They're all attracted by one thing, and that is the writing of Horton Foote, who probably was, the, you know, the most eminent American playwright and dramatist of the last 50 years, who unfortunately 
passed away in March. And, you know, personally, I'm sad that I never got to meet him. But it, it, it is his work, his words that have brought this fantastic group of people to Durham. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the in the interview too. You know, Mr. Foot and his uh, I guess Tom Mount brought him a couple of years ago to to Durham and sort of uh, brought the inspiration for this this movie out of that. And I guess it's uh, Tom Mount who, at some level, is involved either with the funding or the was it Reliant Pictures was was linked behind this. No, Tom Mount, uh, I think initially was involved, but no longer is, and has gone on to other projects. And the producers of record now are uh, Jonah Hirsch, uh, Megan Ellison. Uh, Spencer Selna, and there are some young, very hot producers who have put up their time and their money to make this movie happen. And they're 24 years old out of Northwestern? Is that what the the paper was reporting the other day? Well, I don't know exactly what their ages are, but some are young, and uh, they they have, you know, a lot of experience, actually, for their young ages, and they're... They're all very nice, very knowledgeable people who have a love of film, and they've integrated themselves very well with this group of, of veterans. We also have directing for his film debut, John Doyle, who is, you know, a fantastic British um, play director and won the Tony in 2004 for his revival of Sweeney Todd. Hmm. I, I, wanted to, I want to touch on, um, on, on the Horton Foot connection uh you know kevin said you know horton foot came here a few years ago and was struck by some of the things that were going on in durham at the time and wrote this screenplay in the early stages of shooting um when when the first stories were coming out in in the local press uh one of the things that durham was described as was a was a southern city that had fallen on hard times or something like that which you know both kevin and i you know took notice of and i'm sure a lot of people in town took notice of because if if anything durham is probably doing right now a little bit better uh than many other cities around here so you know i wanted to to speak to that we we discussed a little bit uh, uh about how that vision of durham is being transferred into film and you know and and what exactly the the significance of that is so i, w- I wanted to you know to get a little bit out of, out of you from uh, from that well sure that's a good question uh when horton foot came to durham a few years ago he fell in love with the city number one and he wanted to write something then that now has become i think somewhat prescient i mean he he wrote this story about basically it's it's anywhere USA southern town, but Durham is the name of the town. It's not supposed to be a documentary. It's not Durham in the present as it stands, because it has nothing to do with that. But it is based ostensibly in Durham, and only because Horton decided, well, you know, there's too much in this town to not use it in a film. He loved it. In fact, the original title of the film, anybody know what the original title was? Durham Grill hmm. was the original title. And so we've kind of moved a little further away, I think, as the scripts as the script took took hold. From what I can read in earlier scripts, it, it moved a little bit away from being so much about Durham itself and being, you know, a, a southern city that has fallen a, on economic hard times and is finding a way to reinvent itself. And it's a very uplifting story because we take several characters and integrate their stories and it's all about them making choices in their lives not only to change but to make the world a better place for themselves um and believe me if this message wasn't in the film we wouldn't have orlando bloom ellen burst and patricia clarkson at all 
signing on, you know, for something I'm sure is a lot less than what they've asked for. You know, Pirates of the Caribbean pocket money. Hmm, sure. Yeah. Well, you know, though, I think where some of the interest, and in, some of this started in town around the Orlando Bloom photos with a Durham Police Department uniform on, I had a chance this weekend to talk to one of the top tourism officials in Durham and to the city manager and, and asked, you know, is this is this movie set in Durham or is it set in a random city for which Durham is just the is just the, the background? And they were both, I was really surprised for Ren, to hear this from Ren Bowman, they both said, you know, we really don't know, we really don't have that background. And I've asked people at work today, said, tell me about Fargo. And I get two answers. I get wacky accents. Sense and wood chippers. So, so how? Yeah, and, and, and you may not want to speak to it specifically on this film, but yeah. how do how do cities, how do small cities, escape a reputation from a film script or from a you know a Hollywood portrayal? Well, let's put it this way: Has this city ever suffered from Bull Durham? I don't think so. And, and in fairness, Bull Durham was not exactly showing you know Duke and and the highest percentage of graduate students or graduate uh, educated professionals in the country. Well, Bull Durham was also, you know, just about baseball. but uh, <laughs> Only baseball, right? <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I, th- I think I'm on record as saying that, that Bull Durham is about almost anything but <laughs> ba- base- baseball. But, but there, were the, um, there were the share of Southern rubes in the film. Yeah, That's true. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I just saw a poll the other day, and Bull Durham was named the number one sports movie of all time. Mm-hmm. And it's true. I mean, Ron Shelton's script was brilliant. It, it, brought, it was about the... The religion of baseball, don't you agree? And and the Annie character was a real person in Ron's life, by the way, the Susan Sarandon character. Most of the characters he knew as um, a second baseman, shortstop, coming up in the Baltimore Orioles, Orioles uh, organization when, you know, when he was a player. Most of those stories are true. However, I know a lot of the lines that were basically improv lines that are famous now in mm. the movie. One being Robert Wool's line when he comes out to the to the mound where all the team is gathered at the mound and they're all arguing about what to get this one guy for a wedding present. <laughs> and Robert Wool came up with this line saying, "Well, you know, candlesticks is a good gift." <laughs> that's that's nice. you know happened that night and, talented and cast. Ke- Kevin Costa came up with a line where he goes out to Nuke Lelouch, you know, Tim mm-hmm. Robbins' character when he's <clears throat> he's thrown he's grooved a fastball because he told the batter what was coming and uh he says, that, that was hit so far, I should have had a stewardess on it. <laughs> Kevin came up with that line the day we were shooting. So, you nice. know, you never know. Yeah. So I, I guess back to that, is the sense that any publicity is good publicity? Or, or you know, how, how, does, how do communities frame these after release? Or how do, uh, how do film studios frame these before release? Well, you know, it's been my experience. I've done this now for 22 years. It's been my experience that it's almost always a source of pride for any community where, when a movie's shot there. And I know when I was a little kid, I was from Ontario, California. Both my beautiful wife, Rose, and I are from Ontario. And uh, we had a couple things shot in Ontario. And we still... One is The Sterile Cuckoo with um, Eliza Minnelli. And I will sit down and watch that <laughs> every day. And huh. it was, you know, it was my hometown. There it is mm-hmm. in that movie. And I think that's all people really somewhat remember, you know, when that happens. But... You know, in this film, I mean, there's love for Durham in this film. It's not about Durham being down and out and whatever. It's not like that at all. This movie is about the love the people have for their hometown, and it just happens to be named Durham. Are we are we going to um, um, see any characters that we know um, in in this film? Are there are there going to be people who are somewhat recognizable? Like when Horton Foote was here, you know, several years ago, did he meet uh, enough locals to write into um, into the script? Well, Mayor Bell is being played by Colin Firth, 
Really? I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> because, because we actually we, had some speculation we, we had, on we it. We had Ron Glass as, as Bill Bell. We, we thought Ron Glass would just be Well, Morgan Freeman, perfect. potentially. <laughs> going to Saudi Arabia. I like that. Let's see. Time for the budget. I got to go to Saudi. Bye. Uh, no, I mean, th- th- no. It's just, like you said, Fargo. I mean, mm-hmm. there's nobody in Fargo that really lives in Fargo, and there's no characters made after we Fargo. Actually, we actually have proven, by the way, statistically, no one does live in Fargo. It's, it's a fact. I think, you know, I thought it was a brand of shoes. What do I know? <laughs> but here's the thing. Um, I know that Horton Foote talked to a lot of local people when he was doing his backgrounding. And I know he based several characters on local people. And there, I was told that there is a real estate guy in town, and I forget his name, but the, he based a real estate character in the movie directly on his conversations with this guy. Hmm. Interesting. And, I, have, I have a hunch. And, and but, uh, it, you know, he, he did his background information, and, and believe me, when you hear the cadences of the actors in this movie, mm. we have a dialect coach named uh, Amy Chaffee who's fantastic. Where do you hear it, what, how Ellen Burstyn sounds? Because she's playing the, the scion, the last living member of, of a classic Durham tobacco family. Yeah, we've seen the name Carr attached to it. So. Carr, Georgiana oh, Carr. C-A-R-R, yeah, yes. maybe. I'm sure he's taking that out of the air, but her name's Georgiana Carr. Uh-huh. But where do you hear her accent. I yeah. think it's fantastic. And frankly, I think she's going to be mentioned at Oscar time. I don't want to be like a Chris Guest movie. Was that <laughs> for your consideration? <laughs> right. But uh, I, seriously. It's a great movie and went completely in the toilet about 80 minutes, <laughs> 50 minutes in. Well, I tell you, I'll take any Chris Guest movie in the toilet over, you know, 90% of what I see coming yeah. out of Hollywood. But, but um, you know, it's a class act movie. Yeah. I, the, the producers, you know, Jonah Hirsch, Megan Ellison are going to take this, Mr. Silna, taking it to Cannes, the Cannes Film Festival. Not in a completed form because it'll just be truncated, mm-hmm. but they're going to sell it at Cannes. And uh, once they have a distributor, you'll be seeing it in local theaters probably a year or so from now. And, and I, I, I really, truly think at Oscar time, this is going to be mentioned. It's, Excellent. It just feels like that yeah. to me. And I don't say that because I, I work on movies all the time. But... I can feel it. I can feel it happening. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear that. Um, um, I, I wanted to ask, how, how did the, the passing of Horton Foote, as shooting was basically starting, how, how did that affect um, how, things, uh, how, how things have progressed? Um, do you guys feel that you now have a script that you need to keep exactly to is there room for for rewriting now that the you know the guy who wrote the script is not there is there is there a sensitivity uh, and and emotionally how did uh, how how did the people involved in the production react when 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 he when he died that's a great question barry um actually i was talking to colin firth about this and i can name drop because i know him but uh <laughs> colin and i over drinks were talking no uh, i was talking to colin firth about this just the other day and i asked him that question and and he said, no, 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 we don't change any of the words. We're just changing maybe a little stage direction because the words in this one are in stone. And that's why we all came to do this movie. Uh, to answer your question about his passing, I know that it was a very unfortunate thing for you know the producers and whatever who were mounting the movie. But it happened so early in March that it didn't really affect the cast and crew. You know, We came there already knowing he was, was dead. Mm-hmm. However, his daughter Hallie Foote, who's an actress, um, has been a conduit, you know, of the Foote family for us. In fact, I've talked to her several times. She'll be actually coming to Durham, I think, to check us out um, mm-hmm. 
sometime next week for a day or two. She's in Texas with her family, and you know, like any family, it's they're grieving. It's it's a hard time, and he was a beloved person as well as a playwright and. You know, as people, we just give them that that room. Yeah. And I hope she comes by because she's a wonderful actress in her own right, and it, it'd be nice <laughs> just to pick her brain about Horton. Sure. But uh, speaking from my experience, I, I signed on partially because this was a Horton Foot movie. <laughs> a big dovi, d- devotee of his work writing um, To Kill a Mockingbird, Tender Mercies. I mean, I can quote things from Tender Mercies right now. You know, he had unbelievable cadence. And when I first read this movie, I, I said to my wife, I said, it's just so gentle. Mm-hmm. People are so nice to each other. People are polite to each other mm-hmm. in Horton Foote's world. And and he's brought that world to Durham in this film. Sp- speaking of, uh, to change gears a bit, of, of impact on the town, I, I know one of the places you shot is uh, a nonprofit, uh, the Durham Rape Crisis Center, which had a sign out front saying, basically, we- we've moved for a little while. How do those typically work in these kind of arrangements? <laughs> I mean, does it, I'm assuming it becomes a good thing for the nonprofit. They get some extra, you know, get some cash out of it that goes to help their mission. Boy, I tell you, they... it's, it's pretty bad when you force a crisis center to leave. <laughs> Where do you go from there? <laughs> exactly. You call it Chapel Hill Crisis Center, I guess. Now, uh, well, you know, we really have had a minimal Im- impact. We, we've we closed a couple streets, but only for a day or two. I think we yeah. delayed traffic on Duke Street a little bit. Mm-hmm. We were shooting in one of the te- tobacco warehouses last week. Um, probably the only day was Monday when I'm sure that we caused a couple veins to pop because we were stopping traffic uh, right downtown in the center of town next to where mm. the bull statue is in that little park, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but only for three hours. Yeah. Then well, we were gone. And by the way, I wasn't mean to to imply that it was a negative impact on the group. Obviously, they, they partnered with the movie in some way. So. Oh, sure, Kevin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that, you guys are here. This I know is, you, this is you good. slick college people. <laughs> I'm just a movie person. We're just we're just Internet <laughs> investigative reporters, right? <laughs> we haven't we haven't asked you about this public records back home. Oh, gee, please, please don't. <laughs> no, but seriously, we yeah. you know, we. We love having people watch us shoot, by the way. It's uh-huh. fun, you know, and all the people that come down to see us have had a good time, and we had the local TV stations. Um, you know, we did that nice article by, you know, Don Vaughn did a wonderful mm-hmm. job, by the way, I thought. Um, perfect example of a good production story in the Durham, you know, Sun-Herald that ran just a couple days ago. We're, we're having something being done um, by the Raleigh News and Observer. Mm-hmm. It'll be a little more comprehensive piece, I think, more later, you know, later rather than sooner in the show. For impact. Sure. To see how Durham impacted the actors and whatever. Setting that up. But, I mean, it's just nice to be able to integrate ourselves. And I know that one thing we haven't talked about is, you know, how much money does a movie bring to a community? So, David, how much money um, does a a movie like Main Street bring to the Durham community? Barry, (laughs) here's that dollar (laughs) fifty. There we go. I, I, I'll get you uh, poking the machine up. I need exact change, apparently. Well, you know, this is a good question because I think people in the neighborhood should know just how mm-hmm. much money we do bring in to the city or any city we work in. There is some, I, I forget, I can't quote it, but there is uh, a mathematical sequence that tells how much we make. And usually it's it's one and a half to two and a half times what the budget of the movie is mm-hmm. because we're spending what we call our per diem. Mm-hmm which is what they pay workers who are away from home of course. Uh, to, to buy, basically to buy their, their food in sure. restaurants. But also I'm doing laundry with it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to movies with that, et cetera, et cetera. And you basically boost the population of a town with a small convention for well, a few how, weeks. How, yeah. how big, right. How big yeah. is the staff? For five, you know, we have like 200 people working a day. 
yeah, about. Pretty good. And, you know, we're, our offices, we've taken over um, an abandoned business, which was a medical center over on Trinity mm-hmm. Avenue. has a beautiful gym, by the way. We've it, taken the over city that. would not mind. If you want to do some upfit to that, maybe uh, fix it up a bit. The city would not argue with you oh. there. See? I, you know. <laughs> I, I had no idea that you guys were using that as your headquarters. Well, yeah. the city certainly See? isn't. <laughs> but, you know, we, we regenerate that, you know, yeah. for five, six. Well, actually, we're there about eight weeks, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, and we, we go out to all the great restaurants. Believe me, there's a lot of great restaurants in this area. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of which, since, since we are down to our last couple of minutes uh, here on the show, uh, you were here 20 years ago for Boldora. I mean, you, you mentioned the restaurants. You know, Magnolia Grill, I think, had opened then, but most of these other sort of and, national and press. Was, uh, might have been open. Uh, yeah, but most of these national press winning restaurants, a lot of the local businesses weren't established. It, does Durham seem like a different place to you, or does it seem like you know time time has uh, has uh, has left no changes? I tell you, I came here. I, I found where I lived before. And I remembered, I found my bank on 9th Street, which was the Wachovia, still there mm-hmm. in the corner. And I f- sort of remembered that Wellspring used to be in the George's Garage building. Uh-huh. And man, that's it. And, but, I, of course, the Durham Bulls, old, the old park. Mm-hmm. I found that. That's easy to Looks find. a little nicer now. I couldn't remember a damn thing. Huh. I'm telling you, but I, you know, I'm, I'm getting on in years. And you're traveling to cities for, uh, for lots of these productions. So. Well, I am, but I mean... I, I did Talladega Nights in Charlotte about three three years ago, and uh, my wife and I came to Durham to see the Stones. You guys remember when the Stones were yeah, playing at the, absolutely. At the Duke, Duke yeah. Yeah. the underground lair there? Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, we came and we you know we came and parked in the parking garage near the Durham Bulls Park and ate in a restaurant there and were bussed over. But before that, we drove around, right? And I said, "Oh, gee, I was here. I'll show you around." I didn't remember a thing, and I had to stumble onto the old park. <laughs> Where there was some event going on that day, mm. and and it, it touched me because mm. I spent so many hours, and I mean long hours, because we work twelve hours a day minimum, twelve sure. hours a day, um, in that ballpark. So many long nights with with people from Durham who still come up to me today and say, you know, I was an extra in that movie. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I, I probably had ten people say that, and and we barely fed them, and <laughs> but they were there every night for us, and. That probably holds the best memory for me, and and well for the rest of my life, because it was only it was the third movie I did in my mm-hmm. career, but it was a sweet one because we all had a good time as a cast and crew, and Kevin Costner and Susan Sarandon uh, had parties at their homes for us, and we just all went out together. Kevin and I saw Pink Floyd in Chapel Hill. There's a memory. <laughs> uh, I can but imagine I'll be there are many memories there. soon. By the way, <laughs> perfect, folks. David Link uh, has been our guest, the unit publicist for. Uh, uh, the new movie Main Street, which is still shooting on Durham's Main Street and other environs through May 6th or 7th. When are, when are we looking at an opening uh, for this movie, David? Do you know? Oh, will, you it be, know will it be this year? I don't know. No, no. It won't be this year, probably. It usually takes a year. Uh, but they have to sell the film. It has to go through, you know, post-production. But rule of thumb, usually a year down the road. Okay. Great. Excellent. Great. We'll, we'll, we'll be looking forward to it. I'm Barry Reagan. I write at dependableerection.blogspot.com. And I'm Kevin Davis. I write at bullcityrising.com. We'll see you on the blogs tomorrow and back on air next week.